John, wise guy, Kaufman, we're here to talk NFL for you guys, doing something new, Uh, it's going to be exciting, it's going to include the AFC North, Bengals, Steelers, Ravens, Browns fans, you guys all came to the right spot, glad you guys are here with us today, make sure you go download this podcast, rate and subscribe wherever you're listening, and we will be right back. Very interesting episode, very different episode of the ATB pod, right? This podcast is also brought to you by Anchor.fm. Anchor.fm is so easy to use. It's simple, it's fast, it's effective. It's the easiest way to distribute your podcast to every major platform. And in the quickest way. I've gone through other websites to host podcasts, and it's a pain in the butt. Anchor does it for you. Join anchor.fm and do your podcast the right way. And if you're looking to start a podcast, contact one of us at ATV Sports, as we're looking for podcasters for nearly every professional sports team right now. If you think you'd be a good fit, you can also apply at our website, www.atbsports.net. So today we've got a fun one for you guys, or at least we hope it's going to be fun. We're going to do this series, John and I. Uh, Eric might be hopping in from time to time, not really sure on that yet. He's um, addicted to baseball right now. Kid's a fiend. But what we're going to do is we're going to go division by division in the NFL. We're going to take teams that aren't in the playoffs and tell you in more detail than the ones that are in the playoffs what we're going to do if we were the GMs or the franchises to help get them back into playoff contention or, you know, with a team like Cincinnati, for example, or you know, um, just to get them back on the right track. Uh, at today, we're going to start with the AFC North. Oh, big surprise there. That's I'm sure all of you are very shocked. We are going to talk about Cincinnati first. Then we're going to head over to shit's Pittsburgh. Sorry, guys. Man, wow. I must have uh, I must have been reading something else. Pittsburgh. <laughs> I'm kidding, Pittsburgh fans. Thank you for listening. Uh, we're going to talk about Pittsburgh. Try to figure out if they can do anything with that minuscule amount of cap they have. Take a quick stop in Baltimore. Tell everyone why they're going to rain again. And we're going to stop in downtown Cleveland. See if we can get that train rolling back on track. A lot of expectations last year. And this year... I'm seeing no expectations, and I'm seeing a lot of hate on the new head coach, which may be just be the thing that Cleveland needs because every coach since 2010 has had hype, hype, hype around him. So we'll see if we can get Baker back on the right track, Cleveland on the right track. They never have been on the right track, really. Um, talk about their new front office, what they might you know, want to look at doing, and we'll put the times – in the show description of where we're going to start with each team to make it easier for you. As always, please download this if you're listening to it. It helps us out a ton. See what what people are liking. And, uh, 
you know, leave comments, you know, so we can help you guys out. Reach out to us if you have any suggestions. But after that long-winded speech, John, you ready to get started with this? Man, I'm so excited. Yes, I can't wait. Let's do it. I am very pumped. And with the first pick, NRATB. Oh, we didn't name this. Fix It Series. <laughs> well, we can't do Fix It because uh, Baltimore's in it. Um, but anyway, with the <laughs> wow, first they, pick. They could use some fixing. Oh, my gosh. I mean, there's only there's four teams left, and they're not one of them. So. <laughs> that is true. But I think the only fixing they need is um, the slaying of a man named Derrick Henry. <laughs> yeah, very <laughs> but true. Anyway, very true. Up first, Cincinnati. John, I'm going to give you a layup. What do they need to do here first? So, yeah, the Bengals. Um, well, I think the easiest thing to talk about is the draft. We'll get to that in a second. So, um, so the Bengals heading into this offseason, they have $51.8 million of cap space available, which is the 16th most. Uh, they only have $2.9 uh, million in dead cap money, um, which – yeah, and that's negligible, nothing basically. So um, seven draft picks. They have one in each round. Um, I don't I don't think anything has been traded. I don't think like, you know, I think they should have the first pick in every round, um, but I'm not 100% on that yet. Um, and uh, yeah, they are, their average age is 25.92, which is the 18th youngest team. So right about NFL, you know, right in the middle, basically. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think the first thing, well, obviously, you know, they're the first pick in the draft this year, and it's they're taking Joe Burrow. So, I mean, that's a foregone conclusion. Um, which, how could you blame them? Um, I just looked this up. The uh, LSU quarterbacks in the last four seasons, so 2015 to 2018, uh, they threw for 58 touchdowns combined, and Burrow just had 60 in this past season. So, to say that he is. Uh, <laughs> Beyond incredible is just, a, a, you know, it's not even close to what he is. It's really impressive. So. Yeah. Uh, Joey Burrow is exactly what they need. However, I'm I'm going to ruffle some Cincinnati feathers with this. They Their roster has some bright spots. Um, the obvious, Boyd, Mixon. I think Jonah Williams is going to be an absolutely great left tackle in the NFL. But they are far from a talented roster. And I am the type of guy that loves when people trade back and acquire more draft picks to acquire more talent, especially a team like Cincinnati, who's not done a good job of drafting as of late. So I and everyone knows how good Joey Burrows is. There Joey Burrow is. There's going to be a King's ransom for that number one pick, if they're willing to split ties with it. And, you know, just looking right at the first couple teams, I I don't know if there's a team that says we need to go get him, absolutely, but someone like John Gruden going to Vegas, would he be able? Would he be willing to make that trade? He's got tons of draft capital. They're going to Vegas. You get the most yeah, – I mean, I don't even think Baker Mayfield would was this, you know, publicized in college. Kyler Murray definitely wasn't. Tua was up there until his injury. I think if I'm Cincinnati, every sign is pointing to me taking Joey Burrow. I don't let anybody think I'm doing otherwise. Drive that price up even more. 
And I would trade that pick back. Go get a King's Ransom. Get a Justin Herbert, a Jordan Love, a Jacob Eason. Take two, three quarterbacks. I don't care. This team is far from winning. All that being said, if they go get Joe Burrow, he's going to be great for them. And I don't think that's a bad decision either. But if they were to do that, I almost think trading back of the number one spot would be a better choice. However, I'll just repeat it myself twice. Going with Joey Burrow is not a bad deal either. Well, the Raiders have the 12th pick. So to go from 12 to 1 would be, I mean, massive, right? You basically have to come up with, you know, you're you're giving up 2021 first, 2022 first. You know, there's going to be other things. They have the 12th and the 19th. I was thinking you would have to give up 12, 19, and then a second or third this year, and then a first and possibly third next year. Yeah. I mean, it would take a lot. The uh, yeah. the only other team that's kind of up high that makes that would make sense is uh, Matt Rule, you know, headed into um, Carolina. I mean, Ooh, what if, okay. what if they just decide, hey, let's you know, let's not let's just walk away from Cam Newton. Um, you know, it's they've got the seventh pick in this draft, so could they get you from know what John? You want to know who the Carolina Panthers just hired as their offensive coordinator? Joe who? Brady, passing oh, yeah, yeah, coordinator yeah. of LSU. Oh Son yeah! Of a bitch. Oh, God. God damn it! You bested me at my own game. Come <laughs> on! Are you kidding me right um, now? <laughs> that's right. Yeah, that's incredible. That's incredible. So they just got Brady. I mean, all right. Documented here first. Matt Rule is going to go get his man Joey Burrow with the number one pick. I mean, it's worth no, the but, phone call. That's for sure. It's worth the call. I mean, yeah, and I. You know, there's a a team like Carolina has players. A team like Carolina can take Joe Burrow and be relevant. Um, losing Luke Keekley hurts a damn lot in that respect. You know, it's that's a player that you cannot replace ever. Or I'm, I hate to say ever, but like that's one of those players that you just don't ever replace. There will never be another Luke Keekley for the Carolina Panthers. Yeah, it's but, su- that sucks. But uh, you know, Luke Keekley's a first ballot Hall of Famer. You don't just get those every now and again. So I don't know if that's you know that's neither here or there that I even came. I even brought that up. But yeah, if the Carolina Panthers can get Joey Burrow, DJ Moore is an excellent, excellent young wide receiver. Curtis Samuel has shown flashes here and there. He's a real gadget guy. Buckeye fans love him. Christian McCaffrey's pretty good. You've probably heard of him. <laughs> um, you know, if Greg Olson can play, you know, a healthy year that could help out a young quarterback a lot to have a safety valve tight end. We saw it with Jason Witten and Dak that first year. Their backup, Ian Thomas, their backup tight end is fantastic. He looks really good. I mean, you could just move on from Greg Olson and what's it called? Tell him to go get a job at ESPN, you know, uh, what's it called? Call him Monday Night Football or whatever. That's um, fair. It's it's hard. Greg Olson is so damn talented, and he's just always been so injury prone. It just – you hate to see it. But, yeah, just getting up there. But, yeah, that, I think moving on from Joe Burrow because people are going to talk about him nonstop. People are going to get annoyed with that. But if I if you're the Bengals and you can trade out of that spot, I think it will benefit your team way better in the long run because here's the thing with a quarterback like Joe Burrow. We do this every year. There's a quarterback that's going to save a franchise. But that can't be – the 
You can't do that. If you go back and look at all the quarterbacks taken number one overall in the past 10 years, it's not a high percentage that he's going to be this, the franchise quarterback. I mean, if you just go around the league and look at the franchise quarterbacks of, you know, the, the, the four or five staple quarterbacks, the one that comes to mind, the only one that's a number one pick would be Andrew Luck. Big Ben, Aaron Rodgers, Big Ben, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, Drew Brees. I I don't know. I'm just not a big fan of picking number one overall. Even, like I, As a Browns fan, I love Miles Garrett. I love Baker Mayfield. But, you know, at, the Browns were pretty t- talented when they drafted Baker. They had players, and they also had four picks in the first 33 picks. I, I don't know. I, if I'm making any sense at all, trying to say don't get go get Joey Burrow, but do you, I don't know. I am not a huge well, – if I'm not a talented team and I only have seven draft picks, is a quarterback going to really be able to flourish with me or am I just going to bury him in a terrible first couple of years and then he'll never have a good career? Well, as you mentioned, Jonah Williams is uh, – they drafted him last year. He got hurt in the preseason, didn't play it down, missed the entire season. Uh, Clint Bowling – uh, was their guard who retired in July last year, just suddenly was like, yeah, I just don't want to play anymore. So despite that, uh, Joe Mixon, 278 rushing attempts, um, 1,137 yards, 4.1 yards per carry, five touchdowns, 35 catches, 287 receiving yards, and three more touchdowns. The year before that, when it was just Andy Dalton the whole year, um, and A.J. Green played a little bit, uh, 237 attempts for Mixon again, uh, 1,168 yards, 4.9 yards per carry, eight touchdowns, 43 catches, 296 yards, and a touchdown. This guy's been, I think it was fourth in rushing in eight, 2018 and eighth or ninth this year. Um, and that's losing alignment. They just wasted a first-round pick on a guy, not wasted, but they, you know, they spent a first-round pick on a guy who didn't play it down. So, you know, and this guy's been phenomenal regardless when they know um what you're going to do that's all you can do basically is you know try to just hand it off to him so i mean boyd's look good obviously and they've had you know Auden tate played a little bit and um but i don't know i just i guess the point is is um they've had some they have some bright spots that's for sure i mean it's not a great roster but that's mostly on the defensive side of the ball um offensively you know it, i mean burrow if he's going to be good, and obviously we don't know that right now, but we're guessing, and it looks, you know, he looks like he's going to translate into a pretty good NFL quarterback. Um, like, what? How many picks would you trade for Patrick Mahomes today? Like all of them? I would like give all of them. A one through seven. Like all your, like your average, you know, NFL team, right? Like the Chargers. Like, what would the Chargers do to get Patrick Mahomes? anything right and so i think that's the point is that's how like it trading down does make a whole lot of sense and i get that and you can usually get a king's ransom but for the first pick the the difference is is that with the new collective bargaining agreement and how the rookie pay scale is you know lower um you know the you don't have to pay the first you know the first overall pick you know a a 70 million dollar signing bonus right like it that stuff went away so you know, you don't have to be afraid of, you know, if you whiff on the first pick, like it sucks, but you, it doesn't kill your team, right? You're not, your cap isn't like completely destroyed or anything like that. So, um, but, but yeah, like it, 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 it makes sense to trade back unless you're talking about a quarterback 
that can walk on the field and just instantly be good. And, you know, got like Deshaun Watson, like what, you know, what would, you know, what would a team like, um, I don't know, like what, you know, Jacksonville, what would Jacksonville do to get Deshaun Watson? Like, I mean, besides the fact that they got to play him twice a year, I mean, you know, this, I, I, I hear what you're saying. I'm just, I, I just don't, I don't think there's any way in the world. You can take all those phone calls, you know, maybe the Chargers call you up and, you know, they're at pick six and, hey, you know, we really want Burrow and stuff, but I, I just, you, you got to take that guy. And, you know, if he's going to be uh, as good as you think he is, then instantly, instantly you get better. And, you know, you, you, if you want to fix the defense, you know, great. You, you might not be able to right away. It might take a year. Maybe you can address some of that in free agency. But, you know, I just think that it, you have a chance to get a, 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 you know, a real special player here. And it just, you can't pass it up. Yeah, I, I understand. I, I completely understand that. I'm just saying, you know, there have been lots of players in the past taking number one overall that, People thought it was going to be – people thought they would change franchises, and they haven't. So I'm just saying there is obviously a chance Joey Burrow doesn't come and save the city of Cincinnati. Sure. But that's neither here nor there. All signs obviously point to that being true. But the last thing about Cincinnati is A.J. Green. Just one, one quick thing about that. If you can get him on a – you know, hey, you've been with us your whole career, discount, maybe a one-year deal, see if he can get back healthy. I would go do it, especially if you're going to get Joey Burrow. I almost say you need to sign A.J. Green to at least a few couple-year deal because having that talent will only make Joey Burrow's transition that much easier. But like we talked about before we started recording, John, A.J. Green is someone who's been injured so damn much that it's almost – you, you forget how great he is. When he is on the field, he's one of the top five receivers in the NFL almost always, instantaneously. So having him would be absolutely phenomenal for your rookie quarterback. But if you cannot get him on a cheaper deal than what his talent level is, it is not worth it in my opinion. Sure. I agree. Yeah, and let's say they, uh, let's say they do let him walk. Um you know, he's 32 years old, has been hurt. You know, he didn't play last year, obviously, and something like 470-something snaps the year before. Um, so they, they let him walk, and they're comfortable. They're going to take Burrow at one. You've got 23-year-old Joe Mixon. Um, and then, uh, like we said, Auden Tate, you know, there's been some other guys that have flashed a little bit. Um, you know, what? like, you could go after Hunter Henry in free agency. Now you don't have to worry about, um, what's his name, uh, the tight end. Uh, Tyler Eifert getting hurt every damn year. So, um, and then, you know, you, you sign somebody like Corey Littleton, um, you know, so you're, you're making sure you're paying attention to defense. Um, you know, so I just think like if you suddenly take that team, if Jonah Williams is coming back and he's going to be a good player and, you know, Burrow is, has a solid rookie season, you've already got Mixon, and then you add something like Hunter Henry to that mix. I, I just, I think, you know, that, it looks good already. Like you could be, you know, maybe you win a couple games just because you can outscore some teams. Um, and I'm not saying those are phenomenal weapons, but I mean, the bills made the playoffs this year with Josh Allen and, you know, John Brown and um, uh, who's the little guy, the little wide receiver, the little white guy. Um, I can't remember his name. No, the, 
the the one that the Buffalo signed. Uh, they had he oh, had a really oh, good Beasley. season. Yeah, Beasley. Thank Sorry, you. So, you were about yeah, but um, but yeah, I just think. I mean, I understand what you're saying. They went two and fourteen for a reason, and they have some problems on the defensive side. Major, major problems. So, um, and if Jonah Williams is okay or not as good as you think, you you know maybe Burrow spends you know his year his rookie season on his ass um, the entire year, but. But if a couple of things click and they do work out, you know, and, you know, maybe instead of Hunter Henry, maybe you just throw money at two guys, you know, on the defensive side of the ball, you know, Littleton and, you know, you try to get like Justin Simmons or something like that, where you're just trying to like, look, let's just get better all around. Um, you know, it could be decent, but, but yeah, they do have a long way to go. That's for sure. And they basically have to, you know, every decision they make from here on out kind of has to be right for you to, you know, improve. And the likelihood of that is slim. As we know, there's a lot of randomness and luck involved in, you know, the NFL injuries and weird stuff happens. But, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, they, they hit on a couple things, uh, might be, uh, might be able to turn it around. I mean, that's the point of the NFL, right? It's designed for you to go from really bad to really good in a season, right? With the cap and everything else, like you should, you know, it's, it helps the bad teams get good quick and, uh, Maybe they take advantage of that. Maybe so. Uh, that's all Cincinnati can hope for because right now, Eric, if you're listening, they don't have the Reds either. And, John, that was exactly 20 minutes talking about the Bengals. Damn, we are good. Perfect. We're Perfect. Really good. Let's uh, get on the yeah, turnpike and head over to Pittsburgh. Yeah, really fun down there. Um, they're sitting at a – John, please tell the – tell the folks what they're sitting at salary cap wise. Yeah. So Pittsburgh, um, well, first of all, they, their average age is 26.12 years. They are the 23rd youngest team. So basically the, you know, the 10th <laughs> oldest. So, um, you know, not, uh, what's called not the end of the world, but definitely, you know, you'd like to be on the younger side of that, of course. Um, cap space wise, they have the second least amount of available money. Uh, they have just under a million dollars free. It's nine hundred and seventy-eight thousand, um, which the least amount of money available is Minnesota at negative five million. Uh, they're already over the cap. Um, the they only have two point six million in dead cap money, which is right at the fifteenth most. So right about you know league average, right in the middle. Um, the the bigger problem is that well the salary cap is a huge problem, but um, their draft picks, they only have five this year. They have their second rounder. They have Miami's fourth, their fourth, and they have their own sixth and seventh round picks. So if you're just talking about, you know, what we can expect out of the draft every year, you, you've, your first two picks are where you really, you know, you think you, you know what you're going to get and you can maximize, um, you know, taking talent and avoiding players that, you know, you don't think are, are overrated, let's say. Um, after that third round and up, maybe third round, you can say with some confidence that you believe that they'll be, you know, starters, but really you just hope your third and fourth round picks make the roster. You know, you're starting, you're trying to get starters out of the first two. Um, after that, you know, it's just a total crapshoot. You just hope you get lucky and maybe you get a special teams guy or something like that. Um, so they have one pick from the first three rounds, you know, where you might expect to grab a starter from and the other four are, you know, late picks. So. So really tough. You don't have any money you can spend in free agency, and you don't have any way to supplement that in the uh, in the draft. So that's kind of the state of Pittsburgh um, as it stands. Um, with regards to maybe some of the positives with their current roster, um, what do you think? You know, as far as positives go. 
Um, so some really good things going for Pittsburgh is they have a first ballot Hall of Fame quarterback on their roster. However, the big question is can he come back and throw the ball? That's terrifying to be on the win. Here, here's the thing. If Pittsburgh has Big Ben healthy, they go to an automatic playoff contender. If Big Ben is 50% of what he was at his peak, I don't believe they're a contender. Juju and Deontay Johnson are already have proven, have both proven they can play wide receiver in the NFL. Problem is, I don't think either one of them is a solidified number one receiver. However, you can get away with that with a great quarterback. Big Ben, healthy, could get away with Juju and Johnson as his wide receiver wanted to. Would you agree with that point, John? Um, yes. Yes, I, I would. The Big Ben we've seen before, I should yes. say that. Yes. Okay. So then you add in Mike Tomlin. I People want to hate on Mike Tomlin. Well, if you've ever noticed, the only people that hate on Mike Tomlin are Steelers fans. And I don't know what the hell is wrong with you Steelers fans. If it's you're so used to winning Super Bowls, that can't be it unless you were alive in the 70s and 80s. I mean, they've always been good, but it's it's almost like they think they need to be the Steelers. I mean, sorry, the Patriots. Mike Tomlin has done Nothing but fantastic things since he has been in Pittsburgh. With all the stuff coming out now about Antonio Brown, how much better does that make Mike Tomlin look? That man seriously dealt with Antonio Brown and none of this stuff ever leaked? I mean, my God. And he had Le'Veon Bell and Ben Roethlisberger on that same roster. Mike Tomlin is just – one of the most underrated coaches I've ever seen as an NFL fan. I, the man has had so many things that could have exploded in his locker room, and he's kept them going and going and going. And I Were they 8-8 eight and eight this year, John? 8-8. Eight and eight. So he's still never had a losing season with the Steelers. That's correct, right? Correct. And he's been there. This will be his 13th season coming up probably, right? I think he was like 2007 around there he was hired. Um, I believe so, yes. He has a good amount of seasons under his belt. At least I know that. This Steelers team, this hurts to say so much. With a good big – I mean, you need Ben Roethlisberger to be 75% of what he was at his peak. You need, need, need to hit on your second and one of your fourth-round picks at least. I mean, those you can't – they're in a spot right now. You can't take a backup quarterback of the future, I don't believe, with one of those picks. That doesn't – if you want to win now with bringing Big Ben back as your starter, that's what you're saying. It's hard to take a quarterback with one of those picks. Although, Jacob Beeson, second round of the Steelers, is just like almost icing on cake for them. It's just their exact quarterback. It's Big Ben 2.0. Hmm. But size-wise and arm strength, yep. uh, obviously Big Ben has intangibles that most quarterbacks don't ever get. But – I'm going to throw out a scenario to you, John, that I think would make the Steelers the talk of the AFC North, even though Baltimore and Cleveland are in there. I think it would make them instant playoff contenders, and it's just really fun to talk about. So, James Conner, a very good running back. He's young, 
great attitude, great mindset, hard worker, but he gets injured quite a bit. And Jalen Samuel and Benny Snell are not very good running backs. Actually, I'll just say they're not good running backs. We'll just put that out there. They can't lead a team to a playoff. So, over in New York, New York, New York, Adam Gase, time and time again, has said nothing good about Le'Veon Bell yeah. ever. I mean, it's to the point where Le'Veon Bell had to tweet a gif of a Mike of a Adam Gase press conference because Adam Gase said would not answer to like, do you want Le'Veon around? Basically, I'm summing things up a lot, but he's never. And obviously there were reports he did not want Le'Veon Bell there in the first place, which is just a very bad look when your best player on your team tenfold is not being treated properly. There's a code. If you have a player like Le'Veon Bell, you treat him a little more special than the others. It's just how it is in every sport. Um, So, with that being said, James Conner, the second round pick, and a future something or other. Actually, no, I'm going to one-up this. James Conner, the f- one of the fourth-round picks, and a fourth-round in the future or something because Adam Gase is not like Le'Veon Bell. Le'Veon Bell goes back to Pittsburgh without A.B. Ben Roethlisberger, Le'Veon Bell, try this thing out again. Le'Veon and the Steelers make amends. Le'Veon and Juju are buddies. That's hmm. that's that's my that's something I would love to see, because I don't know that Le'Veon and the Steelers have a ruined relationship. They just wanted two separate things. They thought it'd be better if they go their separate ways. Le'Veon wanted the money. They thought it'd be better if they go their separate ways. Le'Veon wanted the money. I don't know. It's just it's something fun to think about. Yeah, I mean, the only yeah, I mean, I guess um, when I think that the thing that would you don't the biggest concern would be the offensive line because uh, they they were not shy about saying, "Hey, look, you want to sit out and you don't want to be here, then fine, man. We don't want to, you know, we don't want you to be here." So oh, it was absolutely. He's gonna have that to was the only part of that that was uh, or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, but yeah, um, no, but that's. I mean, I think the concept is is there, and you know, that's kind of um, the way to approach. Look, you're if you're the Steelers, you have no cap room and you have, you know, one pick in the top three rounds. Um, you you got to do something. I mean, you were eight and eight last year. Um, and by the strength of your defense, obviously, I don't, I think they were, the Steelers were the only team in the, in the NFL to not score 20 points in a game. I think I can't remember if that's true or not. I thought I heard that, but that might not be true, but either way, we'll I'll have to look that up. Um, but I mean, yeah, it, so James Conner, I mean, it's not like you're trying to get rid of him or anything, but like you said, you know, he's what's called, he's 24. I think he'll be 25 uh, this summer, like in May. Um, and, you know, what if you could flip him for uh, Washington's third round pick? So that would be the 66th pick in the draft. It's like the second or third pick in the third round. Or, and this is the real one that I that I think would be very intriguing. Um, if you could flip Conner, uh, to Seattle for their second round pick. That would be the 63rd pick in the draft. So, um, 
You call up uh, Pete Carroll, and he's on the phone. He's chewing his gum. He's got 14 pieces of gum in his mouth, and he's all excited. You know, um, um, oh, establish the run. James Conner. All right. Yeah, DK Chris Metcalf's Carson's hurt. Shot Penny. What's that? And staring at DK Metcalf's naked body. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. What a weird... Yeah, getting all excited. Um, but, yeah, I mean, <laughs> that's, you know, that's – that is the, you know, establish the run team. I mean, they, you know, Russell Wilson on that team and they refuse to do call any plays that maximize his skill set. And it's just the same thing. They they come out sluggish, they try to run, they try to get the ball to Carson, Penny, whatever, and you know, it doesn't work and then they're down at halftime and then he's got to turn it over to Russell Wilson and hey man, go, you know, go get us back in this game now. So, I mean, as long as Carroll's coaching that team, they they'll you know, they'll value running backs. I mean, Christ, they took Penny in the first round. So, I mean, if you could tell them that, yeah, you look, we'll, we'll just, we'll take your second, you know, 63rd pick uh, for Connor. And then let's say they do it. So now, you know, you, like you said, they have, um, uh, they have Benny Snell and um, what was the other guy's name again? I can't remember his name. Yeah. Um, and then Trey, uh, Tremaine Edmonds too, or Trey Edmonds is the other one that's on that team, but he's, you know, not good either. So. But, um, but yeah, like, so their, their first pick is 49th overall. So that's the, their, their first pick in this draft is in the second round. It's the 49th overall pick. Um, what if you, what if you could take Travis Etienne there? Oh, no, I mean, gotta go to Cleveland. Yeah. That's a great pickup for the Steelers. And he is. He would be perfect for a, a Big Ben coming off of an injury. I mean, talk about an easy dump down, save my ass kind of running back. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you got a stable of young guys, so, you know, you can hang on to those guys. You don't have to get rid of everybody. And, that you know, you you still use Snell and, you know, you use everybody else just, you know, sparingly. Um, but, uh, but, yeah, I mean, you flip Connor for a pick and then you take, you know, ETN. And now with that 63rd pick, I mean, you can you can address the offensive line if you want to shore that up a little bit. Um, if you if one of those quarterbacks happens to fall and you want to take a chance on, you know, a guy that you think might be able to sit a year behind, you know, Big Ben. Ideally, if he's healthy, maybe Jordan Love falls down there. Maybe Eason falls, which surprising, but you never know. These things happen. So um, weird stuff happens. That's for sure. But so yeah, I mean, that, I think that's one way to attack it. You might, like, you just don't like. I mean, they're, they're a weird team, right? Like defensively, they were excellent, really, really good. And offensively, they couldn't score any points. But your quarterback's coming back, but he's old. So, you know, you don't know what you have, and you just don't have anything to work with. You can't send any free agents. You have no draft picks. So if you can flip a guy like Connor who plays a position that is largely replaceable, and, and I think that's pretty proven by now in the NFL, um, then – why not? If a team like Seattle is going to give up a high pick, you know, a second round pick for a, a guy like Connor, I think most, I think most people would rather have uh, ETN on a rookie deal than Connor anyways, to be honest with you. If you think he's, you're going to get similar production and you got to deal with Connor's injury history and stuff. So I don't know. I think that's, that'd be the way that I would attack it if I were the Steelers GM. Yep. I absolutely agree. And then just real quick on the defensive side of the ball. I think they're going to franchise tag Bud Dupree, which I – do what you want, Pittsburgh. I don't think that's a good idea. Guys had one good season in the NFL. And then on the other end, 
you've got TJ Watt. What a freaking menace. I mean, I th- I thought for sure he would he had taken the reins as best Watt brother in the NFL, but then JJ came back from a torn peck and played with a torn peck in the playoffs, which just my lord blew my mind and hmm. said, "Hey, um I'm still the best Watt brother." And that's that. So, TJ Watt is absolutely phenomenal. And if Miles Garrett were not in the AFC, TJ Watt would probably be the best edge rusher in the entire AFC. Uh, they have TJ Watt. They have Devin Bush, who honestly didn't actually look very good last year, in my opinion. But he looked good in college. We'll see what happens, you know. Soft rookie year is hard for a linebacker. It is a hard position to play, especially, you know, leading an entire defense, calling plays. Um, and at their corners, I people have this affinity for Joe Hayden. I don't think he's very good either. Whatever. He gets paid way too much money, in my opinion. But they do have Minka Fitzpatrick, and he did play well last year. He played really well. I still don't think he was worth what – they paid for him as you look at the roster now as it sits all that being said this pittsburgh defense was still very phenomenal this year um a lot of it was turnover based and it scares you when you look at a defense and they relied on turnovers as most of their production because that's hard to duplicate and it's hard to come back the next year and do that again but yeah, I don't know. That's, I guess that's all I really wanted to say. Just kind of hit on the defensive players. What do you, did you agree, disagree with anything I said? No, I, I agree. I think, um, like you said, it's largely – it's a really good unit. Um, you don't have uh, – let's see, on the defensive side of the ball, as far as their free agents go, people that they have to – so Artie Burns is gonna is a free agent now. Um, he's 25 years old. He was just making $2.4 million last year, so um, – Bud Dupree, you mentioned, and after that, just some, you know, a lot of smaller guys, uh, special teams kind of guys. Vance McDonald's the other one. I know he's not defensive guy, but he's, um, what's it called? He's he'll be a free agent, and he's thirty, so that's something you can walk away from too as well. But, um, but yeah, on the defensive side of the ball, you uh, there's you, there's a lot to like, that's for sure. And like you said, you know, Hayden was, uh, I mean, when he was with Cleveland, he looked done, just completely washed. And then, you know, coaching matters. I mean, just coaching matters. So he gets over to Pittsburgh and suddenly, you know, he's not phenomenal, but he looks good. He looked better than he did at the end of his, you know, stay in Cleveland, which, you know, that's, I think that's what matters, right? We thought he was done and then he goes over there and now he looks good. And so, but, um, but yeah, I mean, you know, you're going to have to stand pat with what you have because you probably, like you said, like we said, we, you know, if you can flip Connor, do stuff like that, you've got to address you know, things on the offensive side, um, you know, quarterbacks are concerned. If they ignore it, if they keep Connor and they just end up with that 49th overall pick, um, you know, you could uh, – Patrick Queen from LSU, the linebacker from LSU, is going to be available around that spot probably. Um, let's see, trying to go down this list. Jalen Johnson, the cornerback from Utah, a couple guys like that. So, so you might be able to get AJ Terrell, the corner from Clemson. Um, these, God, he's six two one ninety, which is fantastic. But, um, and then Win, uh, Antoine Winfield Jr., the safety from Minnesota. So, so 
you've got some options, that's for sure. But um, yeah, it really it it their next the 2020 season is going to rest on uh, Roethlisberger, and is he going to come back uh, healthy, or you know is he going to come back and you know just miss a few games here or there and make it difficult and um, you know that's it. If if he's healthy, then you can like you said, it's a playoff it's a playoff contending team for sure. And if he's not Ugh, I mean, you just your defense can't just keep winning games for you. It's that's you know the turnover luck and stuff like that is bound to regress. So could be a long year, but um, yeah, I think that's pretty much it for Pittsburgh. I completely agree. Make sure. Okay, gosh, thought I muted my mic again. Uh, I I completely agree. My mic again. Uh, I I completely agree. Big Ben is the puzzle. Whether he's healthy or not is going to completely destroy or amplify Pittsburgh's hopes of being decent. Um, it, I'm going to go on to the Ravens now, and I'm going to keep this short and sweet because the Ravens make me very upset, John. They took Cleveland's franchise. They gave Cleveland Browns better colors, that beautiful purple and black. They gave him an ugly-ass mascot though which makes me happy the rat bird <laughs> and then they go and take a cleveland brown legend and let him run the franchise and he runs it beautifully yeah i mean ozzy newsome ran that team perfectly and talk about hitting on a final draft Woo! i got yep yeah lamar jackson is the swan song that's incredible yeah, he, he did fantastic there well, except that he took Hayden Hurst ahead of him, but you know, it's we'll forgive him for yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There, there were bad picks that happened, and maybe Ozzy's um, history as a tight end might have influenced him a little bit on the Hayden Hurst thing. <laughs> but Browns fans, Steelers fans, Bengals fans, we need to come together, and we need to pray that some damn reason Baltimore forgets how to play football because they're good and they're going to get better. Lamar Jackson's going to get better, and. That's scary. Yeah. They don't lose anybody on offense, John. They don't lose anybody. Huh. They're really only paying linemen and um, Mark Ingram any money as well. That's terrifying. And <laughs> their defense, Marcus Peters, uh, the person I hate most in NFL history, I do not know why. I just cannot stand to look at his ugly mug. I do not think he's good. <laughs> Every time I say I do not think he's good, he goes out and gets a pick six against Seattle literally like three days after our podcast. Anyway, <laughs> Browns fans, Steelers fans, Bengals fans, listen to me. I had an epiphany. I tweeted I was going to say it. I forgot to say it on the podcast. So, John, here's my epiphany on Lamar damn Jackson. Browns fans, okay. I really don't know much about – I don't know for the Bengals and Steelers side of it. But for Browns fans, all of you listening, I know there are more Browns fans than the others listening. We are always the first to criticize Lamar when he does something bad. We were always the first to say he's a bad quarterback because he doesn't look like the prototypical pocket quarterback. And I'll be the first to say if you make Lamar Jackson throw it from the pocket, I don't think he's a very good quarterback. People will disagree with that, but the stats don't lie. However, looking at this objectively, I've become with an epiphany and I'm tired of hating on Lamar Jackson. Here it is, Browns fans. If we took Baker Mayfield, put him in the wing T Georgia Tech, Navy offense, what the Ravens are doing, 
he would suck, but we would say he's in the wrong system. He's actually a good quarterback. But if Lamar Jackson was in a pro-style, whatever the shit show the Browns were running last year, or any sort of pro-style offense, normal pocket-passing quarterback offense, we would say Lamar sucks. It's not because he's in the wrong system. Just because Lamar Jackson does not look like a quarterback, does not play like the normal dinosaur quarterback, and doesn't and does things completely differently does not mean he's bad. In fact, it probably makes him better. Because now he's hard to de- he's impossible to defend. And there's ways to defend him, but nobody's really figured out how to stop him consistently. You know, Mike Vrabel figured out how to stop him. Slow him down at least. Part of that was Derrick Henry. And we all know if you get up on the Ravens, your odds increase tremendously. But Lamar Jackson is a great quarterback. Yes, I'm saying it. I still do not think he's the MVP. Hell to the no. Russell Wilson is the MVP 12 out of 12 times in my opinion. I meant to say 12 out of 10 times. This season? Russell Wilson is my MVP. I think he is. I look at it like this. I think he's the best player in the NFL. I think he carried a team that is horrendous, a horrendous roster to what would have been a first a first seed in almost every division in the NFL this year. He's kind of got the LeBron effect going on, in my opinion. Anyway, back to Lamar Jackson. Mm-hmm. He is great. I am tired of hating on him. Brown, next Browns fan I, say, I see say he sucks because he's a running back, yada, yada. It's not true. He does things differently. They have a coach smart enough to adjust to it. And by damn it, they're just going to get better and he's going to get better. But hey, Joey Burrow, Breaker Mayfield, Lamar Jackson, the AFC North might be the most interesting division for the next 20 years. That's all I got to say on that. I, I'm hurt. I'm hurt that I'm saying it. Well, I mean, it's hard not to be frustrated, obviously, at what, you know, the results from – you know, Cleveland moving to Baltimore and then, you know, seeing their history and seeing ours and what happened, you know, after that. So, but, um, yeah. but yeah, I mean, we got a, you know, we got a chance to turn things around and, you know, hopefully, uh, you know, we can, um, we can do that. And speaking of, uh, let's get into these uh, Cleveland Browns, shall we? Yeah. With all that being said, I'd still take Baker Mayfield over Lamar Jackson. I'm, I, I just love Baker Mayfield. I don't know. <laughs> but John, how much cap yeah. space do the Cleveland Browns have this year? Okay, so um, Cleveland, the let's see, the 13th youngest roster. Average age is 25.73 years. Uh, they have 52.1 million in uh, cap space available. That's the 15th most. You know, that's um, good for the amount of, I would say, bad contracts on this team. Can considering that the last few years they've had so much cap space and they went out and, you know, they spent money on Jarvis and, you know, things like that. Like considering all that. Yeah. I I'd say yes. You, when you look at that and say you still have 15, 52 million to work with, that's, uh, that's impressive. So it's good. It's, I don't know if it's impressive, but it's, it's very good. That's for sure. Um, 5.1, million in dead cap, uh, money, which is the seventh most. So not the best thing there. Um, and then 2020 draft picks, we've got seven. So we have a first, second, our third, Houston's third, our Woo! fourth, uh, yeah, our fourth, Arizona's sixth, and Green Bay's seventh. 
So, um, yeah, so seven draft picks, a few of them come from other teams, but uh, basically the right number, and you've got two-thirds. So you got four picks in the top three rounds, which is, um, you know, good, very good. So, yep. um, bright spots, current bright spots on the roster. Um, what do you think? Bright spots. Um, I'd say the biggest bright spot is Baker Mayfield. Wow, he had a terrible year. Interceptions. Oh, 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 he's fat. Shut the front door. Okay. First of all, bad angle of a picture. He's not a photographer. I don't give a damn. Um, Baker Mayfield come out looking like a damn Oompa Loompa as long as he throws touchdowns. I don't care. He's a bright spot. Kevin Stefanski just giving Kirk Cousins his career best year in all categories. Um the outside zone to be able to maximize an offensive line's talent or lack thereof with the Browns and Vikings. Um, I think that's a definite bright spot. Wide receivers, OBJ and Jarvis Landry, definite bright spots. All this stuff going on with OBJ, it sucks. He's a young guy. He's 26 years old. His team won a championship. Shit happens. Correct it by the time the season's done. This will all be blown over. Thank you, Astros, for making this less of a story for Baker for OBJ than it could be. Um, <laughs> another bright spot. Hopefully, the analytical the analytics team of the Browns will sign one of the top middle linebackers in the whole NFL back to the roster that you already have. Um, another bright spot. You have the best young edge rusher in the NFL. Hopefully, will be back this year. I, by all accounts, would bet he will be back. And then the last bright spot is you have a possible lockdown man corner. But a little bit of cloud. He's so far not been able to stay healthy. Although Stephon Gilmore had that exact same problem uh, in his first couple years in Buffalo before he got signed by Bill in New England. Um, you know, maybe this year some of the injuries were because Freddie Kitchens started with pads in July which is just unheard of, um, started hitting drills that early. And uh, with the Denzel and Joe Schober and Miles Garrett thing, none of those players get their talent maximized if Steve Wilkes is back as defensive coordinator because I said at the beginning of the season, if Steve Wilkes can adjust his strategy to the players he has, he would be a good coach. Coaches that cannot do that suck. He did not do that. Therefore, Steve Wilkes... I do not like you anymore. I just – I do not have any patience for a man with your experience to make Denzel Ward and Greedy Williams zone corners all year. It makes no damn sense to me. That is all. I'm, I'm done ranting about that. That kind of shit drives me nuts though. Analytics are there for you to see what your players can do. Take advantage of it. Thank you for going and get an analytics head coach. Gosh. People have this warped idea, just like Deep Podesta said, of what analytics are. They're scared of it. They think it's numbers, 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 no football. No, it's literally just using a framework so you can make educated guesses. I'm framework so you can make educated guesses. I'm done ranting now, John. Get way off track. <laughs> no, man, you're uh, you're on the rails. Don't worry. Um, especially when it comes to talking about the Browns. So, um, yeah, I mean – Heading into uh, this last season, heading into 2019, you know, we were we were 
Browns fans were excited, and reasonably so. Um, seemed to be a lot of talent on the roster. Um, they made some moves that were exciting, you know, fun stuff, getting Beckham, um, you know, just it, there, there was excitement. Um, and at the end of this season, I, I just – I don't think that there's – really any, I mean, Freddie Kitchens was a disaster. He, just an absolute disaster. And so, and I, this isn't, you know, I'm not going to sit here and talk about him forever. The, the point is um, coaching matters, right? Like we, we saw, we saw Baker Mayfield play um, very well in his rookie season and, you know, accurate and, and crisp and decisive and just, it it looked it looked great. Confident. It looked like, you know, this kid can make throws. He's confident exactly. Like he knows where he knows where the ball needs to go, and he can fit it in. And you know, just very few you know mistakes. And there were some, obviously, he's a rookie, whatever. But and then just watching, like if you just watch film from his rookie year and then from his sophomore year, you just you would think that somebody it was someone else. Somebody put that jersey on and is just out there you know, throwing interceptions and stuff like that. And, and take, take the, you know, the tipped balls and the bad luck stuff, you know, take that out of it for a second. Like he didn't, he didn't play well. Okay. Like he was, he was bad. So, um, but I just don't think that, I, I think it's reasonable at this point to say that coaching was the major influence on his play. Um, if we're looking for simplistic reasons to explain why Baker Mayfield wasn't as good as he was in his rookie season, I, I mean, if you just had to dumb it down to two choices where, you know, coaching, you know, terrible play calling mixed with, um, you know, a, a terrible perception of your own roster and what you're good and bad at, what you're capable of, um, you know, that versus, you know, Baker Mayfield suddenly just got worse, like, because he, he just forgot how to throw a football. Um, you know, like, it, it's coaching. It, it matters. Um, no, you, you gotta, you have to take away the past three years of the, one of the just, just absolute pure pedigree that Baker Mayfield has been the last three years. You, you have to take that all out. It was just, he's, <laughs> he's he forgot how to play football. You can't right. be reasonable and say it was coaching. Right. No, I know. I hear you. I mean, it's just, you know, things like uh, being lazier with his footwork and stuff like that. Like it, you know, if, if you're not, if the coach isn't correcting that kind of stuff, you know, right away, and then it's going to persist and, and you're going to notice it. And, you know, that's what we saw all season long. It just, it, it looked bad in the beginning and it never really got any better. And, um, you know, I just, like I said, I, 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 I think that that is the bright spot, right? It's okay. Well, if coaching matters and that, and the coach was the reason for most of the failures on offense, um, and, well, and Wilkes on defense too, then, you know, you, you, you've got a new guy in place and we don't know anything about Stefanski. I, I get it. Like we, we know things, but we can't definitively say right now, yes, he's going to be a good head coach or no, he won't be. Um, but the people that, the people that are saying, 
you know, well, we hired a Freddie Kitchens and he was an offensive coordinator, uh, you know, for a couple days. And then we just made him the coach and Stefanski's the same thing. And, you know, we shouldn't do that. Like Mar- Kevin Stefanski's coaching career is not based upon how well or how poor Freddie Kitchens was as a coach. Yeah. Like Kitchens was over his head. He had no idea how to, how to run a team, you know, like it was too much for him, obviously. And we, you know, Stefanski, he just, he seems at least that he's coming into it with, you know, a, a, an idea that it, there are a lot of facets to this. It is a big thing to do, you know, like we, I need to have, you know, good guys around me that can help me through this. Um, you know, getting slightly off the subject for a second, but, you know, if they go after like Wade Phillips, like, like how helpful would it be to have, you know, that guy running your defense and you can just tell the first time head coach, like, look, don't, don't even worry about this stuff. Right. I got it all. Like it's, I can help you with the, you know, practice schedules and stuff like that. Like I've done, you know, I've been everywhere and done everything. So, you know, something like that can make it real easy. But, but the point is, is that if you want to talk about, you know, bright spots, I know we don't, you know, we don't have any evidence yet that Stefanski is going to be a good head coach. Um, But, you you know, if you listen to our last podcast and we had Brendan Leister on from Pro Football Focus. um, Great listen. Yeah, he's fantastic. Um, You know, they... Stefanski is definitely a smart guy and he realizes, you know, that it making things easier for your players is that's the way to go. And, you know, calling play action and moving the pocket and getting Kirk Cousins into spots where he's, you know, comfortable and there aren't guys in his face, you know, creating, you know, ways to, you know, different launch points so that he, you know, is just not, he's just not, he, you know, he's, he's not pressured all the time. Um, it's unpredictable. Yeah, I mean, you know, and, and they there were definitely some bad things with Minnesota. I, I know. I mean, I get that and stuff. But at the end of the day, it was, you know, it was a really, really good offense. Dalvin Cook was incredible. Um, nobody could stop the run. Um, you know, Cousins had a great season. I mean, he still came up short in primetime games and stuff like that. But, you know, I just think that there are highlights, that's for sure. And those things, you know, Baker Mayfield is mobile and um, – I think that if you just compared, you know, the the raw talent between Mayfield and Cousins, Mayfield is way more talented than Cousins. Um, Now, Cousins has, you know, had better seasons, but of course he's played longer and everything. So, but, but the bottom line is, is that if, if, if Cousins could look good, you know, and we think that he's a pretty average to good quarterback, then, you know, you... I don't want to say the sky's the limit, but you could, you, it's reasonable to expect Baker to improve, you know, this year. And if he improves, then your offense is going to as well. And the second bright spot I would say is um, Nick Chubb is going to just kill in that, in their wide zone scheme. I mean, they ran it well this year and they ran it well with an offensive line. That's you're going to have to replace three starters for sure. You got two guys, you got Treader and Batonio and the other three, you hope never play a down, you know, starting down for the for the Browns again. Um, so, you know, there's definitely some bright spots, that's for sure. Um, as far as um, negatives, um, what do you think? Current current roster, current state of affairs. What do you think the some of the negatives are for the Browns? Left tackle, right tackle. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think right guard, Wyatt Teller, or 
Drew Forbes might be able to fit that mold and be good enough, I guess. I don't. I, you never want good enough, but I think that they can fill that mold. Well, um, considering you have to replace three guys, you might. You're right. You might end up keeping Teller and being like, "Well, we got the tackles fixed. Let's just try to get through the season." You know, he was okay in spots, so that's a good point. Yeah, yeah, and uh, tackles need fixed. Um, and this Stefanski offense, you're gonna need a second tight end. Uh, I believe Ninjoku's gonna have a big role. Uh, he's an analytic uh, dream. He's an analytic fantasy. Uh, he's a monster. Doesn't have great hands all the time, but he's an absolute freak of nature athletically. Um, I think so. The second tight end might be a weak spot. However, Steven Carlson is an interesting player. He's very. It was very yes. fun to watch. Yes. Can he develop? And he looks. He's a hardworking kid. From everything I've read about him back in Princeton. Uh, so he's a very smart kid. And. Kevin Stefanski is going to start this outside zone offense in July. They're going to – all summer, they're going to pound it out. I read a bunch of Vikings things saying they ran that play until they memorized it, and then they – because everything they do is off of that outside zone run scheme. And so it's going to be can, can and will Ninjoku – is he willing to take that role because he's never been a blocking tight end? Will he do that um, – you know, I can also see them trading Njoku because, as you saw with Kyle Rudolph, the tight end in the Stefanski offense doesn't have a huge role. Um, Kyle Rudolph's numbers have just dropped, dropped, and dropped. You know, part of that's Dalvin Cook. Part of that's having a great wide receiver tandem. Um, weak spots, though. Sad. Larry Ogunjobi might be a yeah. weak spot. I don't, I don't like that. But I think outside of Sheldon Richardson and Miles Garrett, this defensive line, which had once so much potential, is now a weak spot. If Olivier Vernon for $15 million a year is not giving me near the production I want, he's giving me the level of play I want, but the production's not there. Greedy Williams, it can very well be a greedy Williams, it can very well be a dark spot properly, and he's still younger than hell. Uh, I think he's True. 21 right now. Um, linebacker is linebacker and safety is very ugly right now. Uh, Mac Wilson is a player that everyone loves to have on their team, but he cannot be your second best linebacker. And by God, he cannot be your best linebacker if Joe Schobert leaves. And safety, Red Wine showed plays. Justin Burris, I think, is a starting safety in the NFL. Uh, you know, we'll have to see what he can do with a full year of getting reps. You know, he's did not he was not no one thought for the Browns he was gonna have to play last year so there are more dark spots on this team than I would have hoped or Browns fans would have hoped there would have been but what's so great about Stefanski with the offense is that Vikings offensive line wasn't very talented last year but they played well the outside zone I, I John and I keep going back to this but it's because it's true look at the 49ers Jimmy G and their wide receiver group are not the most talented quarterback and wide receiver groups in the NFL. Like, they're that far, one, because their defense. But their offense is excelling because Shanahan has that outside zone. It makes it so hard on a defense to be able to see um, – Kevin Stefanski said it in his either press conference or his interview with Nathan Segura. I'm not quoting this word for word, but it's pretty damn close. 
He was a four-year defensive back at Penn. He knows firsthand that Ivy. there was an Ivy League school, I can't remember who said, that ran the outside zone. He said it was hell playing them. You never knew what they were going to do. As a defensive back, you can't see if they're going to run or they're going to pass. It makes it nearly impossible. And with Baker Mayfield being able to get outside the pocket and improvise, which you know Stefanski said that's the first thing that pops off when you watch Baker Mayfield tape is his ability to improvise. I truly think this is – one of the be- this is one of the first times the Browns got a higher right. And I think if he gets the right defensive coordinator, if he gets the right offensive coordinator, if he gets the right QB coach, I- these dark spots can start to disappear. Um, there are teams like the Patriots, like the Saints, that have had lack of talent at certain positions, but it's overshadowed by good coaching. Now the Browns are in a spot where they have – some good draft picks. They have some cap space. They can start to fill those holes. But then the question still remains, can they get good coaching? And I think that's what it's going to come down to because I think analytically this draft and free agency will go right. I I, I have full faith in Paul DePodesta. And if they get Andrew Barry, by God, I'll have full faith in Andrew Barry. The Browns made a couple bad picks when they were all analytics-based with Sashi, Sashi Brown. But – I mean, at some point, you have to trust in that process. I know I'm going off foot here, and not everyone agrees with that. Some people are football guys, John Dorsey lovers, and I love John Dorsey. I think he got talented players. But analytics put egos aside. Would you agree with that, John? Am I completely off right now, or do you understand? No. You, I just, I, I think what, this is kind of interesting, and and I, this is a, I think we should have this conversation real fast. Like people, okay. this, um, this phrase, football guy, right? Like it, he comes up with, you know, you hear that a lot. Dorsey was a football guy, right? Sashi Brown wasn't a football guy. What, what the hell is a football guy? Dave Gettleman and John Dorsey. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, so that's kind of what I think of, right? When I hear that term, football guy. It, We've it, got some computer guys running our drafting system. It sounds like guy. it's someone who, you know, doesn't, like, thinks they can beat the draft. That is okay? exactly what a football guy is. Yeah. Okay. And so this is – I'm glad you brought that up because this is something I wanted to talk about with – um. We don't have to get into the whole Sashi Brown versus, you know, uh, other GMs and stuff like that. Like I everybody misses, okay? Everybody makes picks that, you know, they they whiff on picks, okay? Um the I think the thing that people forget or maybe they just never knew this or I don't know, but when when Sashi when that regime was hired, okay? They came in, first of all, the Browns were an absolute mess, obviously, coming off the Johnny Manziel stuff and, you know, this the, the, the cap situation was horrid and they had a bunch of players, you know, letting, you know, letting Mitchell Schwartz walk and, you know, things that pissed the fans off right away, obviously. Um, but they, they had a plan. And so, you know, the plan was, and what they came out right away and said, they said, we are not any better at this than anyone else we know that okay we know we we're we're just not we're not going to be any better than any other random human being who gets a job as a gm in the nfl at deciding which college football players are going to make good nfl football players so they came right out and said it 
So they said we're our strategy is going to be to try to you know to trade down, to try to end up with more picks, um, and so that we can have more chances to get things right. Now, to a certain extent, that is correct. Okay, like if you once you realize that all these GMs are guessing, okay, like Dave Gettleman has never traded down one time in his entire life in the NFL draft, not one time. Meanwhile, um, is is Ryan Pace, is that the Bears GM? What did you just say? I'm sorry? Did you just say Dave Gettleman has never traded back? He has never traded back in in his entire life uh, in the NFL draft. So he has either stood pat or traded up. So it is okay. And Ryan Pace, uh, Ryan Pace is the GM for the Chicago Bears. Okay, traded up to get Trubisky, traded up to get Anthony Miller, traded up to get David Montgomery. Like these, David Montgomery broke every tackle in the world at Memphis in his final season, and then he came to the NFL and he can't break a tackle. And Anthony Miller is a fine player, I guess, but the problem is, is that you have Trubisky as your quarterback, and I don't know how Allen Robinson must go to bed punching the wall and wake up punching it still. He has played with Blake Bortles and Mitchell Trubisky. Can we get Allen Robinson a goddamn quarterback, please? Like, it's unbelievable. But at any rate, the point is, is that you know, Ryan Pace, you know, he, he thinks he knows I can identify good football players because I'm Ryan Pace and I know what they look like. So there's a football guy who's trading away other picks to get players that aren't turning out to be any good. The Bears were 8-8 eight and eight this year. They're probably going to, you know, hitch themselves to the anchor that is Mitchell Trubisky, and you're going to have another crap season next year. And you're going to have to wait till Aaron Rodgers, you know, retires and Matt Stafford apparently is good again. So, you know, it's just, I mean, it's unbelievable. But anyways, so here, here's the point. The point of all this stuff, okay? is that I was listening to uh, J.J. Zacharyson's podcast, um, which is the, the – he does stuff for Number Fire and FanDuel, but the late-round late round quarterback is uh, his Twitter handle. Um, he was talking about – so he said from 2016 – I'm sorry, from 2006 to 2015, okay, so 10 years, 49% of all players drafted received a second contract, Okay. So, first of all, you're talking about less than half of all the players drafted in the NFL got a second contract, period, okay? Now, some of that is going to be because of salary cap and things like that. Like, you know, I get it. But the point, and when you're talking about, you know, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh round guys, like I don't, no one's expecting seventh round guys to get contracts. So you're basically, you know, you're throwing those out the window, you know, right off the bat, okay? But Less than half of all players drafted got a second contract. Only 13% of them received that contract from the team that drafted them. Okay? 13%. So 87% of players taken over the course of 10 years were not on the team that drafted them, were not on that team's roster when it came time to have their second contract. The last thing is, in 2015... uh, there were 256 players selected in that draft heading into this season. So heading into 2019, only 43 of them 
which is about 17%, are still with the same team. So 17% of the players taken in the 2015 draft were on the same team five years later. I mean, look, I don't know, like, people need to realize, if you're listening to this, and, and those numbers, you're just hearing this for the first time, and you were unaware of that, like, that's those numbers blew me away, too. So don't, you know, like, this is stuff that I wasn't aware of either. Now, I kind of had a feeling that, you know, the draft was more random and luck-based than we would like to think, but the point is this. You can, like, those football guy and analytic guy, Nate, like, you can take that shit and shove it because it doesn't matter. Like, a football guy doesn't know what a football player looks like. Like, they don't, they can't just, like, walk around the combine and sniff out, oh, that guy smells like a linebacker. I'm going to take him. Like, and just any more than, than, you know, Sashi Brown could look at a spreadsheet and be able to make a draft pick. Like, those, those ideas are ludicrous. They don't exist. Okay, everybody is guessing at this. Everybody is trying their best to figure out what is going to, you know, who's going to turn out to be a good NFL player. And it's really, really hard. And so the only thing that I ever want to defend Sashi Brown for is that at least he had the approach that said, look, we just want to take more chances at things Mm -hmm. because we don't know. We know that we're not any better at this than anyone else. So let's just have a couple extra picks so that we can try to get, you know, if we give 10 picks and six of them turn out to be right, that's phenomenal. If we only have seven, well, then maybe we only get three or four players out of it, you know? So so that's all. I, I think that's just something important to keep in mind when you think about the word analytics is, you know, I mean, Cleveland radio, you can't, you know, you can't go 10 minutes without hearing it 40 times. And it, it, it's just information. That's all, you know, it's just, it's trying to, like you said, use data and information to make more informed, better decisions. So, you know, that's all. I just wanted to bring that up real fast because of the, the whole GM conversation and, you know, it, Andrew Barry, um, uh, interviews tomorrow and, um, you know, hopefully, you know, hopefully it's him. If not, you know, they've got a couple other choices, but, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, you, you could be headed in the right direction here. And, you know, you, you, you've got chances, like you said, you know, we've got a week and obviously we need to go over the salary cap in the draft and stuff like that. Yeah. Anything, uh, sorry, I know that was a long rant, but um, anything about that kind of stuff about the draft or anything draft picks and stuff that you wanted to add in? Yeah. So with the Andrew Berry thing, uh, by all accounts, the Browns want him. However, there are teams out there that want, Barry, uh, uh, Andrew Barry. He's not just, oh, the Browns might take a shot on him. The Eagles don't want to let him go. The Panthers wa- are are wanting to request are wanting him, which that's just surprised me because the Panthers, the way they're setting up, just don't seem like. I don't know. Going out and signing Matt Rule doesn't seem like a really analytic approach. Analytics approach, and Andrew Barry is. I, you know, when he was here with Sashi, he's, I mean, they're like, they're obviously not the godfathers of analytics, but talk about someone who just, he is, I am just stumbling on my words. He, Andrew Barry is very analytical. He will be the guy that trades back, you know, he's, so he doesn't really seem to fit Carolina's mold with me. And I think if the Browns offer him what he wants, 
he would love to come back here and work with Paul De Podesta. They have a very good relationship. Um, I don't know his age. I think he's in his thirties, though. I I might be completely off with that one. Andrew Barry. Yeah. Uh, let's see. He is fifty-six. What? No, never mind. Sorry, wrong. Andrew Barry. Um, let me see. Andrew Barry he's Eagles. Good looking for a fifty-six-year-old man needs to give me his skin care routine. Yeah, right. But, uh, I don't know if they're gonna have his age. Go ahead. If I find it, I'll let you know. All right. So, I think, I think the Browns would be smart to give Andrew Barry what he wants. He's a very smart guy. Um. If you can have three dudes from Ivy League schools running your franchise, I think it's the right way to go because this Browns team has not gone the right way in a very long time. And if you're going to go a certain way, go all in on it. Go all analytics. Push your three front office guys, your main guys, in the same direction for the first time in I don't know how long. And, yeah, I think, you know, with that first-round pick, I think if Andrew Barry's there, I think it'll be traded back. But if not, you know, you need an offensive tackle at some point. If you stay at number 10, Isaiah Simmons is a guy that just seems like way too hard to pass up on with all Definitely. the things he can do. Um, and Isaiah T- Simmons, Joe Thomas, tandem. Oh, my God. Joe Thomas. Good Lord. Yeah, that'd be nice. <laughs> um, he could probably play linebacker the way he's looking. And Isaiah Simmons, <laughs> Joe Schobert linebacking group duo would just be just be off the charts would be so fun to watch so fun to watch um and isaiah simmons is perfect for you know what they're doing in baltimore you don't want to build your team to beat one team but when you play the ravens twice and you want to try to beat them to get to the playoffs signing i mean drafting a guy like isaiah simmons can definitely help you in that regard um and you got to get offensive tackles and safeties at some point. The interesting thing, John, I guess we'll end on this note. The interesting thing to me will be the wide receiver tandem. You know, OBJ and Jarvis. I I could get, honestly, I could give a shit less about distractions. OBJ should not have spanked that officer. He no. was being childish on that field in that locker room. Mm-hmm. To be honest, though, and it might be because I'm a younger guy, but I just don't care. It it does. It's not a great look. It's not what you want your best player to do. But Julian Edelman is jumping on the hood of cars of guys he's mad on. Gets arrested. It's kind of talked about once. Whatever. Jarvis Landry spanks a mall security officer's butt. And he goes and presses charges at the police station. And then it gets flipped into the fact that he's smacking a cop in the ass. Like, I... I don't know. That that doesn't it doesn't bother me that much. What but what I do know is him and Jarvis are a very talented wide receiver tandem. But I'll be interested interested to see if De Podesta and if Andrew Barry is the GM, if they would be likely to go and trade those guys, trade one of them. I don't I think trading one of them is a bad idea. One will be really angry. I I don't know. I know they're not kids, they're grown adults who get the privilege to play together, but be interesting to see what they do i think this browns team can flourish with them but i also think trading them could help them in a lot of ways in the future i don't know what do you you think about that i um 
I think it's possible. I think it could. I think if you got, um, I think that one of the the issues is that um, if you know if recency bias is a factor, then obviously Beckham's um, last season was dreadful. Um, yeah. So I don't know. You probably can still convince guys. You know, hey, come on, it was one off year, and he's one of the best. You know, he's had one of the best starts to a career in NFL history. So it's you know he's fine. So so if you could get, you know, if you could get. Um, I don't know if you could get a first round pick maybe for him, then maybe you entertain that thought. Um, but I think that Stefanski coming. Oh, and Andrew Barry's 28, by the way. So you were right. He's Holy super young. Shit. He's um, 28. Yeah. I, that's insane. Oh, that's crazy. God, um, sign him now. Yeah. Get a but, uh, mine in the GM spot. So, but it's interesting with Stefanski. I mean, I know that they're not going to, it's not going to be, you know, carbon copy Minnesota, but, it is, in, you know, I mean, his offense, they ran, um, you know, it's really two wide receivers. And very, very rarely do they have a third guy out there. Now, Rashard Higgins is a free agent. And so I think he's definitely one of the most interesting um, roster decisions that the Browns have because we all think that Higgins was good. But, uh, you know, between Kitchens and Dorsey, they just made him a healthy scratch basically all year when he wasn't hurt. So... I mean, it's bizarre that he just basically had a season off, and we don't—we're not really sure why. But, um, but I—I I think I mean I've seen a lot of mock drafts with like C.D. Lamb, uh, you know, as as our selection, you know, at the tenth overall pick. Oh. And if we—if you don't, you know, free agency rolls around, the start of the league year rolls around, and you don't have—you don't move uh, Juice and you don't move Beckham, then I, I think there's probably no way they they take a receiver at ten. Because I just don't think that Stefanski needs three got you know three offensive uh, three wide receivers like that. Um, so you know then it, it's I think it's a realistic like you said I think Simmons is a realistic possibility there. I think the tackles obviously one of the tackles are realistic possibilities very very. Um, and then I don't maybe Epinesa maybe um, but uh, but yeah I mean it feels like. You know, with with Stefanski, I think you can sort of narrow out, you know, a couple things like that. Um, and then, I guess the other thing to kind of discuss real fast is the, you know, free agency. They've got fifty two million dollars to spend. Um, so, you know, there. This is a really nice free agent class, that's for sure. Um, what's it called? Uh, Anthony Harris, you know, from Minnesota, is available. Um, and boy, did he have a good season playing safety. Um, so that's definitely someone that should be, you know, high up on their radar. Um, another player that I thought had a really good season that was, um, interesting. And you mentioned how, um, Ogunjobi was a bit of a, a sore spot, obviously, uh, is DJ reader, the nose tackle from Houston. Um, he is very rare in that he's a big dude. He's 330 plus pounds. Um, but he's one of these guys who, He's not just an old school nose tackle where he's just a two down run stuffer. Um, he's played more snaps with each season, um, increased workloads, and he had really good um, grades on P uh, PFF for pass rushing. Um, so pressures, defensive stops, things like that. So he's been really durable. Um, I just I think that's like that's a guy that probably you know, would get signed in free agency on like the second or third or fourth day. And it would go kind of unnoticed because it's not Amari Cooper or, you know, one of the real big names. But 
I think that's definitely somebody that the Browns could look at. Um, and, uh, you know, really, it's a really solid piece right there. Really solid piece. Um, at, at a position, you know, of need somewhat. Like I said, I don't think Ogunjobi can be, you know, around much more. So uh, the other position that they can address in free agency is the guard spot. Uh, if they don't want to just rely on Teller, um, Joe Thune is uh, a free agent. Brandon Scherf is a free agent. Um, there's a couple guys that could definitely um, – the tackles too. Anthony Costanzo from the Colts, is uh, he's a free agent. And then Jack Conklin – who ironically was the player that the Tennessee Titans took, uh, I think it was 2016 after we traded down the second time in that draft. So, but, um, but yeah, so there's definitely some guys in free agency they could look at. Um, I, I think the other thing that will really matter is if Wade Phillips comes in. Um, you and I were texting about this the other day, and if they do hire Wade Phillips, then you know you're uh, you're running a, a four-three kind of hybrid defense. Um, which, you know, we don't have to get into all that right now. But the point is, is that you you need linebackers that can tackle because they have to be able to they have to be able to stop the run and they have to be able to take on guards. And um, that's the problem with Schobert is that he is he just he's not he's terrible against the run. And I don't know how you can bring a guy back like that. That's just you know a coverage guy. Now in the in today's NFL that matters obviously, and having linebackers that can cover are really, really important, but if he's a liability against the run and it's Wade Phillips running the show, I I don't I would be shocked if they bring him back. So um but yeah, yeah anything I, else for agency wise? I saw something that it was down to the I cannot remember his name now, the 49ers defensive back coach and Steve Wilkes. I that Wade Phillips was out of it. I hope that is not true. Hmm. Seems weird. You know, unless Wade Phillips decided I don't want to have an interview with the Browns, which the way the Browns have been in the past, you know, I don't blame someone like Phillips for saying that. But uh, with free agency, if if you're going to have Olivier Vernon at $15 million a year, I personally, I could cut him and not blink an eye. Uh, I Porter Gustin Jr. was someone who – should have been a second to fourth round pick in the draft, but he was riddled with injuries in college. He played that second half. He played not the second half. He played the last stretch of that of those games, and he looked okay. Um, but if you can go and get an edge player, a defensive end that you can start in place of Gustin and let Gustin rotate in there, and maybe Gustin is good enough to play there next year. I don't know. That fifteen million dollars can be allocated in some very very useful ways that isn't a defensive end that plays seven games i love vernon very talented but i just cannot stomach spending that much spending the most money on the roster on a player that doesn't play i might be crazy for thinking that but i i am someone that wants to cut vernon very badly and i am i am a big vernon fan i think he's very talented what are your thoughts on that here, if you could swap out, no, you know, don't worry about the salary or the picks or nothing like that. If you could just pick up Olivier Vernon and move him to San Francisco and take Eric Armstead instead, would you do it? Whew. Salary not included? Yeah, just, just, you just get to swap a player. Like here, you get Vernon and we get, um, we get, uh, Eric Armstead. Okay, well, I think Armstead's only two, one or two years younger. I mean, I would do it. He's six seven, six seven. He's 
played good as hell this year. I don't think yeah. his I think his years in the past maybe have He was been... kind of a bust. Yeah, okay, you're right. That's what I thought. Yep, but he's starting to come on, which I'm noticing is a kind of a trend around the NFL. There's a lot of guys now that are DJ Humphreys is a tackle that's um a free agent as well and the yeah. same thing he was kind of a bust and then this past year he finally put together a decent run protection run game blocking but really good pass protection giving up very few pressures i just looked up eric armstead on Mm -hmm. pff's grades he had a 90 overall grade uh for those of you that aren't on pff often that is elite uh they don't give that to many people when their grades are blue you kind of uh it opens your eyes a lot that's very good now his pass rush grade is just okay. I mean, it's just good. His run defense is absolutely phenomenal. And you wonder how much of that is the defensive line, the other three guys with him. But, yeah, Eric Armstead's a great player. I would – man, it'd be nice to spend five first rounds in a row on defensive linemen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you better you better end up with a really good defense. And, hey, what do you know? They did. So. Yeah. But yeah, – um, I- I, uh, the Vernon thing is just, I don't know. I, I could see an argument both ways. I just don't, I don't know. It's tough. Yeah. I mean, Yannick Ngakwe's uh free agent, Shaquille, oh. Shaq Barrett. So Chris Jones, I know he's a defensive yep. tackle. I don't care. Give me yeah. Chris Jones. Oh. The only problem yeah. when you sign those guys is you're signing them to a three or four year deal. And that's when you have to start paying Ward, Baker, Chubb, Garrett. It just gets, it gets hard to swallow that one too. Yeah. No, you're right. That's and that's listen, that's that's why it's all about maximizing, you know, this time with the rookie contract, right? Like it it's not hyperbole to say that this hire, this coaching hire, this GM hire, you know, getting uh the front office, the coaching staff all lined up in agreement so everybody's on the same page, so there's not infighting, so there's not, you know, running to the owner bitching about the other guy when his back is turned. I mean, this is the most important hire in Cleveland Browns history. Like you, you have an opportunity here with what you know could what you what we think is a good quarterback on a rookie contract, and you've went ahead and you've spent you know money elsewhere to put pieces around him. I mean, if they wanted to, you know, Chubb could have had the rushing title if they just handed him. You know, if they gave him twenty five carries in that final game. I mean, he, he was behind Derrick Henry by fifty yards or whatever, fifty six yards. So. Yep. He easily could have had the rushing title. You know, you can bring Kareem Hunt back probably on a, a, a pretty friendly deal. Um, and, you know, you're you're running, uh, you know, two running back sets, and it's a nightmare for the defense. Um, you know, I, I, I just you, – you, you have an opportunity, that's for sure. If, if coaching matters and, and they have a good coach and they can find somebody to coach up the defense and, you know, like, like Brendan said on our last podcast, stop getting, you know, tell Garrett to stop trying to get sacks on every damn play. Like just, you know, rush, but get up the field and settle down. Like you don't have to run past everything, you know, so you can be a part of the rush defense as well. You know, I mean, you're, you know, you, you've got a chance. That's for sure. It's not, you know, it's, it's not as far off and the NFL, like this is the real mystery of the Browns is that like we said before with Cincinnati, it's designed for you to, turn back to make bad teams good, you know, very fast. And so, you know, it can happen. It happens every year. Every year we see worst to first stuff and first to worst. And, 
you know, we're always blown away by, you know, the amount of, oh, I, you know, we, we definitely didn't think, you know, this team was going to be that bad or this team was going to be that good, but it happens all the time. And so, you know, I mean, it, it could definitely happen here. That's for sure. So. Yeah, I agree. I, uh, I don't have anything else to add on to that. What about you? No, man, I think that's pretty good. Um, what's called just, um, Thanks, uh, everybody that's listening. Thanks for listening, obviously. Um, the uh, We're going to keep doing this with the other divisions, so we'll tackle all the teams uh, in each of the divisions that did not make the playoffs, and we can quickly you know, gla- uh, gloss over the teams that did. Um, but, uh, yeah, we're just going to try to you know do these and uh, get us up through into free agency um, and then the NFL draft after that. So um, atbsports.net is where you can find all the writing and uh, – you can find me at uh, Cleveland Spider, Spider with a Y, S P Y D E R, on Twitter. So uh, come check us out, guys. Yeah, and you can find me at Chandler Adams with two S's on Twitter. Thank you all again for listening. If you're and if you are still listening, if you download our podcast, I'll give you an oatmeal raisin cookie the next time I see you. If you tell me you did. That's and please rate and review on iTunes. If you listen to it on Apple, please rate and review. It really, really helps you guys. Yeah, it does. All right. Thank you. See you guys next time. Later.